We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are 1-0. They have ended a long losing streak, six years of losing their season opener as they beat the Detroit Lions in thrilling fashion last Sunday to move to 1-0 on the season. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my host, Aaron Lemming, as we're going to break down everything about that game, preview the New York Giants game in Week 2, and also talk a little Bears news that broke a little bit um, a couple hours ago. Before we get into that, though, Aaron, how you doing, man? Doing good. I, uh, I, I and I'm sure you felt the same way. Many other Bears fans felt the same way. But I'm honestly shocked that we're sitting here on a Tuesday doing a podcast and talking about a Bears win. Because man, down 23 to six going in the fourth quarter, I thought not only did I think that they were going to lose that game. I also, man, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, maybe the Bears really are as bad as some people think they are. But they finally figured it out and got it together, and luckily we're able to talk about a win. Yeah, it was looking uh, pretty bleak there for the first three quarters, but somehow they pulled it off, got a very important division victory. As you, as you and I have said before, these first four weeks or so are um, pretty important for the Bears in, in very winnable games. Like I said, though, we're going to get into that in a little bit later because, you know, when Aaron and I plan on our shows, it's typically, you know, we review the last game, talk a little bit about what's going on, and, and then preview the next game. Uh, but before we get on the air, man, some kind of uh, important news broke um, with wide receiver Allen Robinson. Now, Tuesday morning, you know, many of you probably woke up and, and saw that Allen Robinson had completely scrubbed the Chicago Bears off of his Instagram account. 
um, you know, leading to some speculation that he's unhappy with what's going on um, in contract talks. And then a couple hours later, Brad Biggs reports that Allen Robinson has actually asked for a trade um, and is very unhappy that there hasn't been a contract extension. It's a little shocking news to me, but uh, that's kind of where we're at here on Tuesday preparing for week two. Well, and the other context to this, too, is is not only is Al Robinson happy, not only did he scrub all this. I mean, let's just first, let's just put this out there. Everything that's coming out right now between what's come on the NFL Network, what Tom Pelissario is talking about, what Brad Biggs is talking about right now, this is all coming from Al Robinson's stage. This is all Al Robinson's side right now. The thing that, that concerns me more than anything right now is not even so much that he had possibly requested a trade. I can't remember exactly what the wording was from Biggs. It was very, it was very, uh, well, the tweet was different than the actual story too. Exactly. Well, yeah. Cause he basically in the tweet, it, it said something along the lines that he asked for a trade. But then yeah. when you read the actual article itself, it said that he was asking about the possibility of a trade and it almost kind of seemed like a past tense. And I don't know, I, I don't know if this was like, you know, right before the season started or, you know, what, what's happened. But the other piece of context that I actually find the most important out of all of this is that he has had multiple players go on social media and stand for him, basically saying, hey, extend Allen Robinson. Cordell Patterson has done it. Anthony Miller was the latest to do it. Tariq Cohen has done it. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Tariq Cohen who's also in a contract here himself, and he's out there tweeting that. I mean, that right there just kind of goes to show you how important he is to this team. But, man, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations. And I, I won't say I saw it coming just because, you know, Allen Robinson's usually a pretty quiet guy. He's usually a pretty calm guy. Um, you know, you don't really hear much from him. You don't really see a whole lot from him. Um, but what I will say is this, you know, we, all you had to do was watch everything leading up to week one and all the different things that went on and all the different contracts that were handed out and all the different stuff. And, we saw multiple receivers get extended, including Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup. Uh, there were there were others, and I'm just drawing a blank on them right now. And then, obviously, you had Amari Cooper that kind of reset the receiver market this offseason when he signed for $20, $20 million on average, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, to make matters even worse, and then you start seeing running backs getting paid. Running backs haven't been paid in years, and all of a sudden – You've got Alvin Kamara getting a deal, Dalvin Cook getting a deal, and you're starting to see all these different moves and all these different extensions coming through. And then you look at the Bears, and I'm sure Allen Robinson is fully aware of this, as I'm sure Ryan Pace and the rest of the Bears organization is aware of this. you got a guy that is on the last year of a three-year deal. you got a pretty good deal you know, with him in terms of you know, signing in free agency and just towards ACL. you got a number one receiver that came in that you got on a pretty solid deal. I mean, his first year wasn't great, but last year he put up really good numbers, and this year he's, he already played you know, a big factor in their win on Sunday. You got the best offensive player on the entire team, bar none, no questions asked. It's not even close. It's, it's not even a question at this point. And Allen Robinson, and he's sitting there going into a contract year where he said multiple times that he wants to finish his career as a Bear. He signed here because he wanted to play for the Bears. He wanted to finish his career as a Bear. You know he wants to be here. You know he wants to get extended. He just wants to basically have that security, which there's nothing wrong with that, especially with what's going on right now with COVID and everything else. And, I mean, we've already seen it with Cameron Meredith as a prime example of a guy that can shred his knee in a meaningless game 
and his entire career is over with. Yes, he got paid a little bit of money when he went to the Saints, but at the same time, he had a promising future in front of him, and his entire career went down the tubes with one knee injury. All Allen Robinson is asking for is a little bit more security outside of this year, which he absolutely deserves. He's 27 years old. He's your best offensive weapon, again, without question. And here we are in a situation where the Bears just won week one. They have uh, it's still a controversy at quarterback, and I'm sure we'll get into that later on. But you have all these different things going on, all of this uncertainty on offense, all this uncertainty with the cap and everything else. And you've got one guy that you absolutely have to extend, which is Allen Robinson. You don't get it done before the season. You see a bunch of other deals happen. And now you have players speaking out, basically saying to re-sign this guy or to extend him. And now you have basically reports and articles leaking out that Allen Robinson has either demanded a trade or is likely to demand a trade. At this point, it doesn't matter. The fact that it has gotten this far with how Allen Robinson has treated this organization and what he's done for this organization in two plus years that he's been here to me in terms of Ryan Pace is completely unacceptable, especially considering what he spent this off season. Let's just go back through and let's just look at some of the money, not even the picks, just the money that he spent. You had Nick Foles that he gave what 20, $21 million guaranteed to you have Robert Quinn, who's 30 years old that you gave $30 million guaranteed to then you look over and you have Jimmy Graham, who's a 33-year-old tight end that hasn't really been that good in three or four years, and you gave him $9 million guaranteed and set the market at tight end, but you can't extend your best offensive player. To me, that's inexcusable. The fa- I don't care if this is negotiation through the media. I don't care if the, whatever this is, posturing. It doesn't matter. You have your best offensive player on the field. He's performed. He wants a new contract with your team. And you can't get it done. To me, that is a giant mistake on Ryan Pace's part. And honestly, I'm glad all this is leaking out because I think Ryan Pace needs to be blasted for how he's handled this one single situation, especially this entire offseason, because none of the other moves that he made this offseason make any sense if you don't have, if you don't plan on keeping Allen Robinson here long term. Doesn't matter what the quarterback situation is, whether it's Foles, Trubisky, or a rookie, or somebody else next year. Robinson needs to stay in Chicago when they need to get this done. And I, I agree with that. And part of me now wonders, you know, going into this off season and when the 2019 season ended, most of us thought, okay, yeah, they're extending out Robinson to be the number one priority for this team in the off season. He deserves it. You know, he should get it. Um, it's just only a matter of time. And then you kind of hit April to the draft and you're still kind of waiting in summer, you're still kind of waiting. And then, you know, even last week before the season started, we thought, okay, there's a chance maybe they get it done before week one. Now, you know, we're going into week two, and there's no deal done. And, and part of me wonders, I mean, is Ryan Pace serious in not getting a deal done with Allen Robinson and not wanting him here long term? kind of feels like that to me now. And, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they want to just blow this whole thing up after this year and just completely restart, which would be very disappointing you know, as you alluded to the moves that they've made, I think they're going to have to draft a quarterback anyway, but you're going to still going to need wide receivers. Can you really trust Anthony Miller to be your number one wide receiver and then kind of bank on that Riley Ridley or Javon Williams turned into something, Darnell Mooney, because Ted Ginn's not going to be here for the long run. So I really don't know what they're doing. I, the, the smart move here is to extend Allen Robinson. And the longer you wait, the more expensive he's going to get. And I, I don't know if you mentioned him earlier when you're listing those names, but I mean, DeAndre Hopkins got that monster deal with Arizona. So, you know, you have wide receivers like Cooper and Hopkins and, and Cup. 
getting these deals and kind of setting the market, the longer you wait, you know, Alan Robinson's probably sitting back thinking, okay, you know, the longer they wait, the more expensive I'm going to be. And really, I mean, is it a loss for Allen Robinson if he doesn't play here next year? No, it's a loss for the team because he can essentially still 27. He can pretty much go anywhere he wants if he wants to test free agency. So, yeah, I, I'm just mind-boggling. And, and with the players, you know, the players can see it too. Anthony Miller tweeted something out about five minutes before we started the show. It was like a, a, a gif of um, a truck with a lot of money in it and extend Allen Robinson. When your locker room, when the guys inside your locker room, even some players on defense are saying it and tweeting about it, it's like a no-brainer for me. You got to get it done. I mean, the guy's proven last year he's coming off a monster season. He had 98 receptions, um, 1,147 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns. I mean, he's only a couple years removed from, you know, ACL surgery, and it looks like he's full going in back to the player he was, you know, in Jacksonville. And the poor guy, man. I mean, you look at the quarterback he's had to play with, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel for a couple games. It's like you have to feel for him and wonder what his numbers would be like if he was actually playing with a top 10, top 15 quarterback. Well, I mean, let's just put it this way. Allen Robinson is a top 15 receiver in this league. And like you pointed out, I mean, the quarterback situation's had a lot to do with it, but the fact that he's had multiple thousand-yard seasons with the quarterback play he's had says it all. I mean, it's just – it's a situation where, again, Ryan Pace is already kind of on my list of things where it's – I think this is a very crucial season for him because let's just be honest. I mean, let's just let's just look at the 2019 draft class. You know, you want to talk about receiver. Let's just talk about – let's just talk about the draft class real quick, right? So you, you trade up for a guy like David Montgomery. Okay, that's fine. Then you take Calvin Ridley – or Calvin Ridley, sorry, uh, Riley Ridley in the, in the fourth round. And then you take Duke Shelley, and you take basically – I'm just trying to think of what else they even had. They had uh, Kareth White and then Stephen Denmark. That was their entire draft class. What has that draft class done outside of David Montgomery? Bradley Ridley was a healthy scratch after hyping him up all offseason. It was a healthy scratch, and their fifth-round pick from this year, one of their three fifth-round picks, Darnell Mooney, was out there playing more snaps than – well, I mean, obviously more snaps than Ridley and the same thing with Wind. And that's kind of the thing, right, is you start looking at some of the decisions that Ryan Pace has made over the last few years. And obviously the quarterback situation is a whole different thing. But it's it's one of those things where he's teetering on the edge of making a very dumb mistake because here's the reality. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is going in the next year. You need to have good receivers. And you pointed out Anthony Miller. I really like Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller had a big game. We'll talk about that. But the reality about Anthony Miller is, is in terms of actual snap count and, and the different things that he did on Sunday, he didn't play a ton. That's what a lot of people aren't understanding. Anthony Miller didn't even have his first catch until almost all the way through the third quarter. So you, you, you're sitting here, and it's like, okay, cool. You got, you got Mooney, and I, I mean, obviously I liked what I saw out of him, and they're high on him. But the reality of it is, is you have one proven receiver on this team, and that's, and that's Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is one of the better receivers in the league. He is unquestionably a number one receiver. By true definition, he is a number one receiver. And it just, it, again, it doesn't make any sense. And, and I've seen some people make the argument, which is fair, that if you pay Allen Robinson, then the reality of it is, is you're probably going to end up having to let Anthony Miller walk. He's going in a year three of a four-year deal. Okay, that's fine. But the thing is, again, unless all of a sudden Anthony Miller starts playing 90% of the snaps and starts getting, you know, number one receiver treatment, then 
I just don't think that they see that role for him. And it's one of those things where, regardless of who the quarterback is, you still have to have good receivers around him. It's like Jimmy Graham's a stopgap option. It's like Cole Komet, obviously, we got to see how he develops. But in terms of actual playmakers, I mean, Tariq Cohen's going to be a free agent after this year, too. Are they going to be able to re-sign him and re-sign Allen Robinson? It just there's a lot of obvious decisions to make and there's a lot of you know different debatable things that you can talk about in terms of what the Bears should do in the upcoming season uh, upcoming offseason and the different moves that they should make one of those obvious moves is Allen Robinson I mean there's just no other way around it and my concern is is that if you let him play through the season without a contract and then you tag him, then you're really risking burning a lot of bridges. I think right now, yeah, I'm sure he's hot. I'm sure he's not happy with the situation, but that's nothing, you know, four or five year deal at 20 million and, you know, 60 to 65% guaranteed can't fix. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. If they give him what he's asking for, they get close. I think they can get a deal done. I still think a deal will get done at some point. And I think honestly, for those who want a deal done quicker um, than waiting through the rest of the season, I think that this is probably the route that needed to happen. And Ryan Pace said last week that basically he's not opposed to doing deals in season, and that's fine. But it's just at a it's at a point here where going into the season, we both talked about it. We both talked about we didn't know what this Bears team was going to be. We thought the floor was at you know seven or eight wins, but we didn't know if they're going to get enough good quarterback play for them to be a playoff team. And I think, obviously, we both picked them to win the Lions game. They almost didn't win the Lions game, but here's the reality. They're 1-0. They've got a very favorable next three matchups with the Giants this week, which we'll preview. Then they have Atlanta, and then they have, what is it, Indianapolis after that before they face Tampa Bay. That, that's, yep. Those are three very winnable games. If the Bears start off 3-1, they're in good shape. Why would you risk... Any other distraction? They always talk about no distractions. They're always, you know, super secretive with the media, and they don't give fans a lot. Why would you risk any sort of distraction within the locker room right now over a contract squabble? If you're going to get it done at the end of the year, why not just do it now? I just, when you look at it, it's like, you know, and obviously, you know, you don't want to react to, you know, too big to one win, one loss. But I think the Bears coming back in the way that they did was was definitely a big boost to them, and hopefully they can kind of carry that forward. But how are you supposed to do that if you've got a lingering distraction in the locker room where you have players openly and publicly saying, extend this guy? Obviously, he means a lot to the team. Obviously, this is going to be you know a discussion within the locker room. I'm sure it already is. And this the, the, the voices are going to do nothing but grow louder because let's be honest here. National media loves the smash on the Bears anyway. Not a lot of national media likes Ryan Pace as a GM. They've criticized a lot of the moves that he's made. They're under a microscope already because of the Trubisky pick when you look at what uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes have done. You don't need to give them another reason to pile on to you at this point. Again, I just it, it's such an easy decision for me to sit here and look at it and say, out of any impending free agent that you have coming up, any move that you need to make, Outside of obviously, you know, the quarterback situation, we'll have to see what happens at the end of the year with that. But outside of that, I mean, extending Allen Robinson is got to be the number one priority at this point. It seems like a no-brainer. I just don't understand, especially after seeing what the market reset to and what some of these guys have got. He's better than Cooper Cup. He's a better receiver. He is more relied upon than Cooper Cup. And, you know, then you look at uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, he's not DeAndre Hopkins, but then you got Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, four years, $80 million. That's $20 million a year. You look at Amari Cooper. You got twenty-one. You got twenty million dollars a year. 
Okay, twenty million dollars a year. Figure it out. Even if it's in the in the range of eighteen to twenty, maybe a higher higher guarantee. Maybe you need to float them some more cash at the front. Figure it out. And if you cannot figure that out, or you do not have the cash because of what you did in free agency, why did you do what you did in free agency? That's the other question I have. Why did you spend money on three guys at thirty years or older between Robert Quinn, Robert Quinn, Jimmy Graham? And of course, Nick Foles. It, it just that's that's the thing is either Ryan Pace completely misread the situation or miscalculated, or he simply thought that he was going to be able to get a deal done on a certain price before the market reset, probably at the start of the offseason. And he did the thing where he waited, and usually it's worked out. I'm not going to criticize that, but he, he waited until you know everything was done with free agency, with the draft, to see where everything was at, where you know where they were at with opt outs and everything else. And unfortunately, the receiver market reset. And that's just a situation where they're at. So maybe instead of paying him $17 million, maybe you have to pay him 20 now. Who cares? Get it done. It doesn't matter. Get it done. He's your best offensive weapon. You're going to need him regardless of who the quarterback is. He's a leader on your team. He's well-respected. And you have players speaking out for him as we speak. Get the deal done. Yeah, I'm with you. You don't want a distraction, especially after getting that, that big first win in week one and with a very favorable schedule that you can come out, you know, maybe 4-0, 3-1. You kind of don't want this looming. The other part of this, to me, um, kind of last thing we'll, we'll talk on this is this could very well be a ploy by his agent to kind of give Big some information. I don't know. I can't report that or anything like that. But we could be looking at a situation where, you know, his agent kind of wants to leak it out a little bit and, you know, kind of put the pressure more on Ryan Pace um, to kind of get a deal done. We saw it a couple weeks ago with Alvin Kamara. There was a couple reports that he had asked for a trade out of um, New Orleans. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of days later, he's got a new long-term extension. That could very well also be employed. But, it, I mean, to me, it's clear. Alan Robinson wants to be here. Every interview he's had pretty much has, has included a contract extension question. and he's you know, flat out said, yeah, I want to be here. You know, it's not my main focus right now. I can't really do much. It's on the bear side, essentially. And, you know, I'm focused on the season, but he wants to be here. His teammates want him to be here. He does so much in that locker room, so much outside that locker room with his foundation and all of that. It'd be a shame to see him, you know, go and, and uh, a trade. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think at worst, we're looking at a situation where, um, you let things play out this year, and either you franchise tag him or you find a long-term deal for him, um, or the, obviously the other option is to just let him go and test free agency. I, I just don't see them making a move mid uh, before the trade deadline unless things start to really heat up and Robinson starts to really you know get upset and and um, kind of forces his way out. To me, though, he just doesn't kind of seem like that type of guy. That's why kind of this report from Biggs shook or shocked me a little bit that. You know, he necessarily didn't demand a trade. Um, I think there was another report out there for some radio uh, podcast that he's been on the trade block. You know, asking for a trade and being on the trade block is two completely different things. Um, the Bears probably don't have him on the trade block right now. They're definitely going to get calls after this report came out. However, you know, you got to kind of look at it and read the inside the lines there a little bit on that situation. So, yeah, enough with that, Aaron. That was kind of crazy that, you know, it kind of happened before the show, um, like literally two hours before we started recording, maybe even an hour before we started recording. So that was kind of the biggest news. Let's hit our first break of the show, and we'll get right back, and we'll break down the Bears' week one win over the Detroit Lions. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. 
I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back, Bears fans. As Aaron and I have been talking about the Allen Robinson situation, the Bears are 1-0. They had a ridiculous comeback um, in that fourth quarter in week one in Detroit. Essentially, Detroit did what they what Detroit does. They can't hold the fourth quarter lead and let the Bears get right back into it. And, you know, for me, Aaron, let, let's, just, let's talk about the biggest storyline. Something clicked for Mitchell Trubisky in that fourth quarter. The first three quarters, he was not good. He was pretty much what we've seen from him the last couple of seasons, the same mistakes he's been making that have been, you know, highlighted and what is exactly wrong with his game. I thought he had a couple decent throws in the first half. Um, there were a couple, I, I think the one in Jimmy Graham could have been a little better, but I think Graham also could have timed the jump better. But man, the, the one he came back on the, on the fourth down, I think, believe it was to Ted Ginn Jr., and kind of, you know, was behind on the ball. And, and then Matt Nagy says the ball was tipped, which, spoiler, it was not tipped at all. That's the type of stuff that, you know, just kind of, you know, makes your blood boil when you watch Mitchell Trubisky and how he plays. But then, you know, after the third quarter, something clicks for him. And it's like he just stops thinking and he's out there playing, you know, backyard football throws three touchdowns, including a dime to Anthony Miller on the same route that the Bears got the Lions on last season. And, you know, part of it is Matt Patricia playing, you know, the man-to-man defense. He, I believe he played mostly zone a lot in the first half and then kind of switched that man-to-man when they were up, which is it's mind-boggling to me. I don't know why you do that, especially if you watch Mitchell Trubisky against your man defense the last, you know, two seasons. I don't know what Patricia was thinking there, but – with Trubisky, it's like, you know, it, it's just, it's the, the tale of two halves, essentially, for him. In this case, you know, the first three quarters and then the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, I feel like this Trubisky performance was probably the most extreme of the stream extremes on both sides, right? You, you had the polar opposites of both sides because – for the better part of three quarters, for the most part, Trubisky looked about as bad as he's looked. I mean, I don't think there's really any other way around that. I mean, he was inaccurate. Um, he was panicky in the pocket. His footwork was terrible. Um, there were a few passes that probably should have been caught that weren't. Obviously, Jimmy Graham had that missed time jump. Uh, you know, there were a few other plays. But when you actually go back and you and you look at the numbers, the Bears weren't credited with any drops this 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 last week. So, I mean, that just goes to show you that there wasn't any blatant, he should have caught that and he didn't. There are probably passes that should have been caught and there are probably plays that should have been made. But at the same time, when you look at some of the throws that he completed, they weren't very good balls either. So you have that side of Trubisky where, like I said, I honestly think through the majority of the first three quarters – he played about as bad as he can play. And then all of a sudden, like it's happened multiple times before, and it's very confusing, but it, it happens, everything clicked for him. And he threw three touchdown passes. He went eight for 10 for, what was it, 89 yards. And his quarterback uh, rating was 143.3. And he made some extremely nice throws. 
um, including, I mean, that one, I, I, I honestly think that that pass to Anthony Miller for the touchdown might have been one of, if not his best throw that he's made at the NFL level. I mean, but that's the thing is you see that side and that's what gives the Trubisky fans hope. But then you see the other three quarters, and that's where a lot of the pessimists, including myself, look at it and say, but this is still the issue with him is you have such an unlevel playing field. And it's not like with Jay Cutler, where Jay Cutler was much more of a game-to-game kind of player. Like Trubisky is not only quarter-to-quarter, but he's play-to-play, and that's kind of the 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 – the main issue that I think a lot of people have had with him. And and of course, you know, even for as skeptical as I am of Trubisky and as critical as I am of him, you know, I have that thought in the back of my head of maybe just maybe something finally clicked with him and they're going to get it figured out. But I think you pointed out one key element and the, and the difference between the first half and the second half of that game um, and his performance and what it really came down to. And it came down to Matt Patricia changed things up, and he was playing a zone defense, which Trubisky has struggled with massively throughout his four-year career at the NFL level. And for whatever reason, the dummy switched to man coverage again, and Trubisky picked him apart with basically, you know, backup defensive backs in there because there are multiple injuries. Justin Coleman has an injury. He's actually been put on IR. And then Desmond Trufant had a hamstring injury, and he was in and out for the rest of the time. And obviously, Jeff Okuda um, did not play as well. So it's one of those things where, again, when you really put all the context together, it was a very impressive fourth quarter outside of that sack. That sack that he took, I, I still – those again, those are the kind of plays, though, where you just look at it and you're like, what is he doing? But unfortunately, there was still so much bad within that to where I think you can take the good and say, wow, that was incredible. That was a that was a great job. And he was one of the main reasons that they won the game. But I think that you can also look at that and say, well, he was one of the main reasons that they were losing to begin with. And again, because of the inconsistencies and such polar opposites, I don't think that this did anything to move the needle in terms of securing his job security or him losing his job. I think it's... It, Squarely at the same point it was, and I think that you can even kind of, in listening to the coaches talk and then being asked about his performance and the different things, where you know most fans are going to focus on the good or the bad. They're not really going to focus on both. They're going to look at the numbers. I mean, I've seen multiple people making comparisons that he had a better week than uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no, he didn't. I, I don't know how many people watch that Chiefs game, but Patrick Mahomes may have not been his his normal sharp self, but Patrick Mahomes was still a better quarterback in the Chiefs game than Trubisky was in the Bears game. It, it's just that and simple. Patrick Mahomes makes those throws. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like Patrick Mahomes has those throws that – they're you know multiple times a game. Mitch Trubisky had the one throw. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Yeah. Well, and that's and that, I guess that's kind of the thing, right? So it's again, I just don't think that this really moved the needle one way or another. And this isn't me saying. And I will admit, I mean, going into the fourth quarter, I figured if he finished as bad as he had started at that point, I think yeah, you pull the plug and you call it a day. And I but I think I think we're still in the same position of I think regardless, I don't think they're going to make a change at halftime. So I think it's one of those situations for the Bears where. If Trubisky comes out and crap 
across the bed, then you basically, you take your lumps in the game and you make the change afterwards. And I don't even know if the, the hook's going to be that quick, but I still think we're in the same exact spot we were going into week one where the, the performance was just too inconsistent. There's too many highs. There's too many lows. There wasn't a level enough performance to really change anything. But I mean, hey, it was great to see the comeback. And I, like I said, there's optimism and maybe it's blind optimism, but there's optimism that hopefully maybe that will click and translate over. I don't know if it'll translate over permanently, but even the next few games would be great. Um, but in terms of, you know, his job security, I just, I don't think this really changed much because I think we pretty much saw the same things that we've been seeing for the last three plus years. And yeah, I agree. And you look at it and obviously the fourth quarter and the crazy comeback just because of how it all happened with the tip pass leading to the interception, a missed field goal by the Lions. And, you know, I'll give Trubisky credit in that fourth quarter. He played well. That can't overshadow just how bad they were the first three quarters on that offense, aside from the running game, because the running game actually got going early and was really good. And, you know, looking at how Trubisky and the offense were in those first three quarters, I mean, they were what? I think they started like for, one for eight on third downs in the game, and they were just dreadful. And the problem is, you know, they get they had these long drives. I think eating their first four – or no – at one point, four out of five drives went at least 40 to 50 yards, but they were settling for field goals or there'd be a penalty to kind of push them back. They weren't scoring points in the red zone, which, which was their biggest problem. And it allowed, you know, the Detroit Lions to essentially take command of that game and take control. And, you know, that's the Lions thing, though, is they're going to blow the fourth quarter lead. If this happens against Green Bay, the Bears don't win this game. If this game happens, let's say, probably against Indy, they don't win this game. Uh, Tampa Bay, they certainly don't win this game. You, it's, it's. I don't want to not celebrate the win because it, it is a win, no matter how you get them. But there's still some things wrong with this offense. And in terms of you know calling for Nick Foles at halftime, I don't. I honestly don't think that leash is going to be that short. I think Trubisky. It's going to take maybe a string of bad games, or he has to be historically bad. Um, maybe in the first half or through the first, you know first half and a couple drives in the third quarter, I, I think we kind of have this notion that the, that the leash is going to be really, really tight and and uh, and short, and Foles is going to come in the second Trubisky does something wrong. That's not the case. It's probably going to take, you know, a, a three-interception, zero-point or three-point first half for Foles to come in or a string of bad games. I, I just don't see Nick Foles taking over unless Trubisky is really, really, really bad. Yeah, and I agree. I I just I think it's it's natural for fans and uh, analysts to react in a knee jerk way, but the reality is, and especially for the Bears, the Bears have never been a knee jerk knee jerk reaction type of organization. I mean, even when you look at going back to how terrible Mike Glennon was, I mean, it still took him four games to make that switch. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that. Obviously, that was during a rebuild and things are different with a different coach. But my point being is, is that I don't. I don't think it, one, I don't think it would send a very good message to even somebody like Nick Foles to say, hey, this is how short the leash is. If you play like crap for two quarters, we're pulling you out of the game. I just don't think it's going to be that way. I think ultimately it's one of those situations where, hypothetically speaking, if Trubisky comes out and plays terrible in the first half again, he's going to get the second half. And if he plays terrible in the second half, then maybe they make the switch in game three because they realize – 
hey, we're at one and one. We're still in a, you know, a, a decent spot, but these are the games we need to capitalize on. You know, that, that's just the kind of situation it is. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody on the, the Fox broadcast was, was already calling. Oh, it's Tony Gonzalez was already calling for Trubisky to, you know, basically get benched at halftime. And for as much as I agreed in terms of how bad he was in terms of the performance, it's just not something that the bears are going to do. And there's also a reason that we're fans. And there's a reason that we're sitting here doing this podcast and we're not running an NFL organization. So it's one of those things where for coaches and general managers and people who make those decisions, they're going to have a lot more perspective. They're not going to be nearly as emotional. They're not going to be nearly as a knee-jerk type reaction uh, that we as fans and analysts are. I mean, it's just, just, just the way it goes. So, you know, I, I expect the leash is still going to be short, but I don't think it's going to be two quarters short or a quarter short. I think it's going to be if he has a horrible – you know, game, then okay, you know, maybe you make the, you make the switch, but you don't do it in the middle of the game because I don't think that really sends a good message to either Trubisky or Foles because then you're basically telling the guy like, Hey, if you have a rough patch here, regardless of what goes on, you could get pulled. And then that puts unnecessary pressure on a quarterback, even a guy like Nick Foles, who's come in the situations where he needed to be the hero. It's just not a good situation to be in. Yeah. It, it would put pressure on both of them. And, and like you said, you're telling both of them, all right, that leash is super short. We're going to go back and forth, back and forth um, on it. Needless to say, though, even though with the struggles, it was a win. A win is a win. And along with the Bears' win, winning season returns at my bookie. That's right. Winning season is back at my bookie. And that means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. We had a couple months there. Where we didn't know if the NFL season was going to return. And now it is. And now it's your chance to get on to my bookie. Get in on the action and use the promo code OVERTIME to double your first deposit. That's right. Promo code OVERTIME will double your first deposit, and new players will get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Basketball, baseball, football, soccer, hockey's still going on. We have college football. There's tons of sports going on right now, and winning season is back. Once again, use promo code OVERTIME and double your first posit. In addition to that, Overtime is going all in for the listeners, and they're giving away $500 to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your first deposit, take a screen grab of your MyBookie account, email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. They'll give away $500 at the end of September. Aaron, like I said, a win's a win. And there was also, you know, while there were some struggles on the offense side of the football, I was really impressed with some rookies in this game. Um, you know, the ones that stood out, Darnell Mooney had a really good game despite only catching three passes. And defensive back Jalen Johnson had a good game. And I want to start with Johnson because you look at him and, and he pretty much wins the battle against Kevin Tolliver and, and Artie Burns gets hurt and he comes in and he starts opposite of Kyle Fuller. Now, the Bears get a little bit of a break because Kenny Galladay did not play in this game. But still, I mean, he had to go up against Marvin Jones on, on some occasion. And for Johnson, you know, he had the play where he got trucked by Marvin Jones. It was a big hit. I mean, we can't deny it. He got right back up. And in that situation, you know, you could see a rookie kind of be like, okay, that's my welcome to the NFL moment. I'm going to kind of be aware of my surroundings more and maybe, you know, lose confidence. That hit happened, I believe it was the second quarter of that game, maybe early third quarter. And to me, after that, Johnson got a lot stronger and played a lot better after that hit. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And just just before we, and obviously this is kind of a podcast, but we're kind of doing this in live time right now. Adam Sheffer just tweeted out um, that he spoke with Alan Robinson's agent and said that they have not requested a trade. However, they are not happy that in the last year of his contract that Chicago has been unwilling to pay market value for a wide receiver. So pretty much translation. Yeah, translation. <laughs> they're they're negotiating through the media. Anyway, as far as Jalen Johnson goes, man. You want to talk, and that's the thing, man. Like, you, like obviously, quarterbacks a little bit different, just because you know rookie quarterbacks coming in. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take. You know, there's a lot bigger for learning curve. But in terms of learning curves for rookies at positions, corner is one of the toughest. And Jalen Johnson, man, he came out, and I mean, obviously, I've been high on Johnson for a while now. Uh, you know, I that was my favorite pick in the draft. I think that was your favorite pick in the draft too. But man, he looked the part not not just like he looked like a solid rookie like he looked like a good nfl cornerback and i mean when you look at when you look at you know he's targeted six times he he gave up i think it was two or three catches for barely any yards he had two pass breakups uh he didn't get burned one time i mean really the three catches there two or three catches that he gave up really didn't go for much at all and he was still in good coverage uh he was part of the um pass that got deflected up in the air for an interception to um, Kyle Fuller. I think that was actually Eddie Jackson who broke it up, but um, you know, Jalen Johnson actually had really good coverage. He also had another play downfield on a deep ball um, to, I think it was Marvin Hall, where he stuck in coverage the entire time and actually had really good coverage. And then obviously at the very end of the game, he was the DB in the back of the end zone that broke up the pass and caused the game to end. So, yeah, I mean, Jalen Johnson, obviously, okay, yeah, you got run over. Uh, here's the thing. A lot of corners don't like to tackle. A lot of corners are not very good at tackling. That's a learning experience. That was, you know, kind of sucked. It is what it is. Like you said, a welcome to the NFL moment. I will take him getting trucked by Marvin Jones over him getting burned for, you know, a 50 or 60-yard touchdown any day of the week. I thought Jalen Johnson, not only did he look confident, but he had very good technique. Uh, he stuck like glue uh, all over the field. I mean, overall, man, I thought it was a really, really, really impressive performance uh, by a rookie who not only, again, first NFL game, um, but this is also somebody who had was on a shortened training camp to begin with just because of the way the NFL worked. But he was also worked in very, very slowly and really didn't even start taking first-team reps until about two weeks ago because of the, the shoulder injury and the shoulder surgery that he had. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy that had basically no camp and he comes in, and that's the way he looks right out of the gate. I mean, that, man, I'm telling you what, that was that was very impressive, and it's very promising. It's very, very promising for for a secondary that is going to need playmakers, especially if they can't get their pass rush figured out. Yeah, and, and he really didn't look like a rookie out there. He looked very confident. He looked like the game, you know, wasn't too fast for him. We knew going into – you know, this off-season, regular season, he's going to be a physical corner. He's not going to really shy away from the contact, anything like that. And he kind of showed it. He was really impressive for me. Uh, you talked about that long coverage he had on Marvin Hall. Too. He stayed with the speed serve throughout the um, the route. And, yeah, I came away very impressed with Jalen Johnson. He just kind of oozes that confidence you like to see. And it's it's nice seeing a 33 back there again that's, that's really good as a defensive back, as a starting corner. The other rookie we should talk about is Darnell Mooney. And as I mentioned, he only had three catches, somewhere hovered around like 40 yards um, for the game. But what I kind of took away outside of his speed is the separation he creates. And I think you can agree with me on this, that last season the Bears wide receivers kind of really struggled with separation. 
Um, at times, you know, when Mitchell Trubisky is throwing the football or even Chase Daniel for that, that game or two, you know, there was always a defensive back draped on him. And that's something that the Bears want to improve on this offseason. And right away, the first catch for Darnell Mooney finds a soft spot in that zone, sits in it, and it's, you know, a, a 10, 12-yard completion for a first down. And then you look at the next play, the next reception he has, he kind of puts a nice juke move and picks up some yak. To see the yards after catch and the separation, those are two bright spots for me. And I think it's going to have a bigger role than many thought. And I was one of the guys, there's a couple people in the media that were raving about him in training camp. So far, so good. I mean, he hasn't had the touchdown. He hasn't had the long, deep you know, catch you'd like to see. That's going to come. But to, to, to be able to run those intermediate routes, um, the, the not, non-streak routes, and show the ability to create separation, um, rack up yards after catch, and your hands, that's a positive sign here in week one. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and I, I don't think it's going to be very long at all before he overtakes Ted Ginn for that, you know, that basically that third receiver spot, that slot guy. And that, but, but the thing with Darnell Mooney that's, I think, even more impressive versus a guy like Ted Ginn is the fact that he has the versatility and the ability to play both inside and outside, right? So that's going to be, that's going to be a big value. And, and I think it's, like I said, I, I just don't think it's going to be very long at all all before he's taking more snaps than Ted Ginn and he's going to be out there as the third receiver in those kind of sets starting the game I mean we saw Ted Ginn Jr. was technically starting um, because they you know they went with three receiver set right out of the gate Um, but yeah I I thought in terms of in terms of watching him um, I mean actually in terms of separation he had the largest amount of separation per yard um, average out of any of the Bears pass catchers this week. So that, I thought that was actually pretty impressive. And it was by a, a decently wide margin. I want to say it was by like a yard, yard and a half. And then there was another story that came out. I think it was today. Well, actually, I think it came out straight from Darnell Mooney's mouth when he's talking about as soon as he stepped on the field, all the Lions defensive players were yelling speed, speed, speed. So, I mean, everybody kind of knows, you know, who, who this guy is and what he's about and what, what you know, what he's going to be. And so yeah, I thought it was good. I thought his first catch um, – a little bit of a rookie mistake just because I, I don't un- really understand why he went down to a knee when he caught that or went down to two knees more of the point. Whatever, not a big deal. Uh, got up and got a little bit of yards after catch. But, man, that second catch, uh, you know, he was able to catch it, lay a pretty pretty good move on the DB, and then pick up some extra yards. And it's going to be very interesting to see. And this is actually another level um, to the Bears offense. I think there was a lot of new levels of the Bears offense that we saw this week, and hopefully that will continue. But one of the new levels that we saw that I thought was pretty impressive was – in terms of air yards per attempt, Trubisky was actually fifth in the league this week in terms of, you know, basically throwing the ball down the field. And that's something that we haven't seen in quite a while. And I think that's only going to improve the more that Darnell Mooney's into the game because that is the kind of uh, threat that he brings to this team and something that has been lacking for this team for quite some time is the speed threat as a receiver down the field. Yeah, I believe that number was just over, it was like 10.7 or it might have been a little higher. Uh, but that was very positive to see because, you know, like we said, it last season watching a lot of throws short of the sticks, um, especially on third downs, and you'd see a lot of checkdowns. And there was a good amount of checkdowns and short throws, but see him kind of opening up down the field and targeting some receivers was a positive um, in that game. The, the other thing on offense I want to talk about, I don't know if you want to add any more um, after this one, but. I was impressed by the run game and the play of the offensive line. I think a little bit in pass protection, they struggled on the edge. The tackles weren't as good as you want them to be. 
that middle, that interior held up very well. I mean, Jermaine Effetti, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, especially in the run game, man. They were getting out on their blocks, getting that next level, put, driving the defenders back and opening up the, the running lanes. And at one point, into deep into the second quarter, maybe I won't even say it was at halftime, the Bears were averaging 5.7 yards a pop on the ground, which is we didn't see that at all last season. We saw – you know, pretty much the opposite. It was, I mean, anywhere from one to two yards a pop on the ground. And now with the run game, that's going to help take some pressure off of Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, it's going to give another dynamic to this offense. It's early. It's one week. Um, the, the Lions defense line is not awful. They're not great. I mean, they're not really a standout. They have some players on that offense on the defensive line. But to see the Bears offensive line in the first year under Juan Castillo kind of get out and be physical, something he's preached all offseason, that was a standout to me in this game. Well, it's three big changes um, that I saw within the run game that I think have a lot to do with it. Well, I guess you could call it four. Obviously, Juan Castillo coming in. I mean, not only is he the offensive line coach, but he's a big, big factor in terms of the run game and, and, and scheming the run game. But here, here's the three differences that I saw. First one, just how creative Matt Nagy was with – his player selection for one, the personnel selection, and then two, just the creativity in terms of how he was running the ball and how unpredictable the runs are because there were multiple times where you could look back uh, last year and just see that exactly what they were going to do when they were going to do it. And that's just something that they didn't really, that you didn't really see a lot of. And, and they got, I mean, they, they averaged over five yards of carry. I mean, that's the first time in a long time that the bears have averaged over five yards carry and they traded in a lot of negative yard plays for plays that went for five plus yards, which was big. I mean, that's just you know, in terms of when you actually look at their, their, what they did in the run game. I mean, they had almost 150 yards rushing as a team, which is big. So, I mean, and that's going to be a huge factor moving forward for the bears, regardless of the quarterback situation is if the run game is good, then the bears are going to be good. Yeah. And it's going to be important to get that run game going, especially this season has been a big emphasis um, for the team throughout the off season. Aaron, let's kind of wrap things up um, by previewing the giants. We'll get into that after this break right here. Yeah, and so next up on the Bears' schedule will be the New York Giants. will be the home opener. No fans at Soldier Field. And the Giants are coming off a loss on Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And watching that game, I saw a really good Giants team for about 12 minutes, and then it just started to crumble. And I'm feeling a lot better about um, the Bears' chances. I thought the way the Giants started the game, uh, I was like, okay, maybe they'll give the Bears a game. Now I'm feeling a little bit better because I think the Bears can get to Daniel Jones uh, they'll have maybe some problems stopping Saquon Barkley. The one thing that I really didn't like in that game against the Lions was how Adrian Peterson pretty much ate him up on the ground. Saquon Bar Barkley is a lot better than Adrian Peterson right now. So that's going to be something to worry about. But that Giants team really doesn't scare me. And I think if you can get some pressure on Daniel Jones, he's going to give you some opportunities to make plays in that secondary and get some takeaways. We saw the Bears had one takeaway in Detroit. Matthew Stafford really didn't give them you know, many opportunities to take the ball away. I think Daniel Jones will be the opposite. I think he's going to have a couple in the air for you to go up and get and maybe change the, way, the the game a little bit there. For me, you know, looking at this, it's your home opener. You don't have the, really the crowd to feed off of, but the chance to get to 2-0 against an opponent you should beat, you have to feel good about it if you're the Bears. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it, you know, it, obviously not to take any game for granted at all because the Bears are just not that good, and it's the NFL. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the Bears aren't neither the world beaters, and the NFL is one of those leagues where anything can happen. I mean, we're just talking about before the podcast, and you're talking about your Survivor League, and there was a game that you thought was a for sure thing, and it didn't end up being that way. That's just those damn just, Colts, man. Exactly, and that's just the that's just the nature of the NFL, especially early in the season. With that being said, uh, I think this is a good matchup for the Bears. Uh, you know, we both watched the game last night. I'm always curious, especially within the first few weeks of the season, to kind of get an idea and lay eyes on the team that the Bears are going to play the you know this upcoming week. And I. Uh, I thought that there was definitely some creativity um, that was different with Jason Garrett calling the plays as, as the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Um, but the reality of it is is that the Steelers have a really good defense, and they laid back for the first few first few possessions and kind of felt things out. And I think one of the big things that they did that the Bears are also going to have to do is stop Saquon Barkley. Now, I don't think they're going to be nearly as effective as what Pittsburgh did just because – Anytime that you hold Saquon Barkley rushing to eight attempts for seven yards, I mean, he averaged under one yard per carry in the game, which I don't even know if that's ever happened in his career as a whole. Um, you're going to be in pretty good shape. But I think the big thing is, obviously, you know, we need to see if the Bears are going to get Robert Quinn back. I, I have a feeling he's going to be back this week. I have a feeling he was probably closer to playing last week than maybe some people thought, and maybe the Bears are just playing it safe. I think if he wasn't close, uh, I think they would have put him on IR for the, you know, the first three weeks of the season, and they did not do that. So I would expect that he'll be back this week, and you know, if not this week, next week. But I, I think he will be back in some, uh, some way this week. And just looking at the, 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 the Giants' offensive line, I wasn't overly impressed with a lot of what they did. I think in the very beginning they were – able to kind of combat the Steelers defense by getting the ball out quickly and that worked but as soon as the Steelers kind of figured out what was going on and they were able to they had a lot of run blitzes which I thought was interesting but as soon as they were able to time up exactly what the Giants were doing it seemed like they really keyed in and they knew exactly when they were going to run the ball and exactly where Barkley was going which was interesting so I'll be kind of curious to see if the Bears will be able to take anything away from that and then looking at the defensive side of the ball for the Giants I think it's one of those situations where I don't think they have a lot to offer in terms of pass run uh, they have Blake Martinez is their primary linebacker. They're very thin at that position right now, especially for a 4-3 team. Um, but I think, you know, the, the big X factor is going to be that secondary. And they have some talent. They got James Bradbury. They just signed Logan Ryan. Uh, they got Jabril Peppers back there. They got Corey Ballantyne. And they have some solid uh, not even solid. They got good talent back in the secondary. So that's going to be an interesting test for Trubisky because I think with Trubisky, you know, he faced a pretty banged up line secondary last week that really just wasn't overly good. Uh, I think the Lions probably have a little bit better of a front than than what the uh, what the Giants do. So I think it'll be interesting. But again, I think this is a good matchup for the Bears. I don't. I'm not going to predict any sort of you know blowout win by any means. But I do think that the line of five and a half, them being favored. Uh, I, I definitely think kind of reflects the fact that the Lions are still kind of in the midst of a rebuild. I mean, they have a brand new head coach and Joe Judge, and they got brand new coaches and everything else. 
and they still have a relatively young team. And quite frankly, um, just to put it bluntly, I've never been a big Daniel Jones fan, and I'm not sold that he's that good of a uh, good of a quarterback. So I think this is a game that the Bears should win. Uh, but I do think that, unlike last week, I think the Bears' defense is going to have to set the tone here, and I think the Bears offensively are going to need to stay committed to the run game. And I don't mean they're going to need to stay and you know run the ball 55% of the time and have Trubisky throw less. But what I'm saying is they need to do what they did last week and commit to the run and be a run-first team and allow that to set up the pass. And I think that's going to be a big key because if they can get in the second level where you have just Blake Martinez at linebacker, uh, I think that there is where you're going to be able to do a lot of damage with short passes over the middle, use some speed, and then obviously the run game as well. So I, I like this matchup overall for the Bears. Um, the Giants did look good, I, I thought, through a decent amount of the first half. But I think once the Steelers kind of figured things out, then it was pretty well curtains after that point. And that's going to be one of the keys, too, is, you know, if the Giants come out and play well, can can the Bears' defense adjust? I think they did adjust a little bit. We saw, you know, in, in that game against Detroit, um, the defense gave up a touchdown right before the half and, and then a touchdown right at the first drive of the second half, but adjusted well after that. Give me some pressure on the quarterback, too. That's going to be one thing. Aaron, uh, we should wrap things up here with our uh, prediction and, and key to the game. You went first last week. We both picked the Bears to win last week. I'll go first this week. Um, I think this week I'm going to go with the Bears 24, the Giants 16. And I'm going to go with 24 just because one of my bold predictions was the Bears are going to be averaging – Close around 23 points per game this season. Uh, they're off to a good start. I think they're at 27 to start the season. So let's kind of keep that one rolling. I think my biggest key will be the pass rush. Can they get pressure on Daniel Jones? You know, Cleo Mack, he didn't have a sack last week. Um, he didn't really have a tackle. But he was second in uh, quarterback pressures and pass rush win rate, which is, you know, those things that really don't show up in the box scores. I think if the Bears get Robert Quinn, they'll have another pass rusher out there. They'll open more things up for um, Khalil Mack. And the Bears need to get a pass rush on Daniel Jones, stop Saquon Barkley, and, and they should win this game. Yeah, I'm also taking the Bears to win. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go 27-17. I think the Bears' defense is still going to kind of be looking for its footing for a little bit, but ultimately I just think – I think the Bears are a better team. Uh, I think that the Lions are a better team than the Giants are, and I I just – I think the Bears are going to be too much, especially at home. I think they're going to pull it off. I think my biggest key to the game is going to be going back to what I was talking about earlier. I think the Bears need to establish a run early, and I think that's going to be a big key in a lot of their games this year, but I think especially against this Giants defense with a better secondary – I think it's going to be very key to establish that run and to be able to attack the middle of the field uh, through the pass game and really kind of set Trubisky up to succeed. So that's going to be my key to the game. And like I said, I, you know, it could be a decently close game. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Maybe the Bears pull away late in the game. But, uh, you know, I'm, hopefully I'm not being too overly confident enough for the comeback win, but I, I do think the Bears are going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's the NFL. Anything can really happen week to week. The Bears are favored in this one, um, but you don't want to look too far ahead here. It's definitely a winnable game. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming, and you can – sorry, Aaron Lemming NFL. Wow, that was the first time I messed that up in a while. <laughs> Aaron Lemming NFL is where you can find me on Twitter, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. 
Yeah, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at, at Bear Report. You can uh, read my work on thebearreport.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K, underscore Pearson. Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be back next week to recap the Bears game against the New York Giants and then preview week three uh, as the Bears go down to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And we'll have a special guest to help us preview that game. Until then, everyone, stay safe. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.